First of all, be a disclaimer. Sorry you have to listen to my voice. I'll be very aware, though, if I, if I see that you're aggravated, it'll be over. But I want to chalk it up to the world that we're in with our phones. It's bad connection today. I do have some, <clears throat> I've looked forward to this series of thoughts that I'm going to uh, share with you. Last week, if you recall, I approached a passage of Scripture and what had happened in Jesus' teaching um, regarding the transfiguration on the mountain and his disciples had fallen asleep. And the question that we dealt with was, uh, what, what did I miss or what did we miss? Because they had fallen asleep, and of course the point was that we need to be fully aware so that God can reveal, guide, instruct us. The second question that I'm going to deal with, and, and others that I will deal with in the coming weeks, have to do with what I call our human experience questions. It's not so much that we're going to read this identical question from or in these passages, but when you capture it, you end up realizing that it is essentially this kind of question. Today, uh, we're going to be dealing with the question, well, what exactly happened? Behind all that, I think, and underneath it, will be an attempt to show what the scriptures have to say about, about evil in our life, evil influence, um, evil presence, uh, and, and, and so I'm hoping that through this <clears throat> today, I will be able to um, unfold some things that are, were very, are very striking uh, to me. Now, I'm going to handle it a little differently because even the Lord did it differently, which we'll see in just a moment. We'll read the text, and then we're going to read the Lord's explanation of the text and then I'm going to go back to the text and put it in our language or in our words so that we can kind of grasp exactly what the Lord was, was getting at. And, and again, behind everything is what happened. That, that's going to happen. That we're going to see that from one of the servants and everything. Um, <clears throat> we all have had our lives planned to a certain way. And yet we find ourselves ultimately because of something that came up uh, or something that has transpired, we, we end up realizing the truth of this little phrase, the best laid plans don't always work. I think that uh, that is in fact a reality of our lives in general. The best laid plans don't always work. Now, a lot of the times, Things in our lives don't work, not because they can't, but because we are either oblivious or we are negligent or just naive about certain things. And so this morning, uh, that's where we're going to be for, for a bit anyway. Jesus was teaching. There was a parable, Matthew 13. It says, the kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, uh, 
His enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. But when the grain had sprouted and produced a crop, then the tares also appeared. So the servants of the owner came and said to the owner, Sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have tares? Essentially, in our verbiage, what happened? All right. He said to them, an enemy has done this. The servant said to him, well, do you want us then to go and gather them up? No, because if you gather up the tares, you will also uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest, and at time of the harvest I will say to the reapers, first gather together the tares and bind them in bundles to, to burn them, but gather the wheat into my barn. So he taught that parable. He taught another parable. We're speaking, the day progressed. When the disciples got Jesus by themselves They came back to this parable, and here's what they said. Explain to us this parable of the terrors of the field. Now, let me me share with what what a tear is. A tear, we would call it a wheat, uh, say a weed or something, but it's actually not. It's a little more. It's a darnel. It's called a darnel seed, and it's very interesting. Because a darnel seed is even existing today in the Middle East and in that part of the world. But when it sprouts up, you can't tell the difference between the wheat and the darnel hardly. It's actually the difference is seen once it comes up. But the reason that Jesus says, no, if you tear up the tares, if you take them out, you will destroy the wheat. What a darnel does, the plant itself above ground is freestanding about like a wheat plant. But what it does is underneath the root system gets all entangled in the root system of the wheat plant. And that's why Jesus says, no, if you tear up the tear, you will destroy the wheat. So anyway, they said, explain to us the parable of the tares, the darnel, of the field. And he answered and he said to them, he who sows the good seed is the son of man, him. The field is the world. The good seeds are the sons of the kingdom, God's kingdom. But the tares are the sons of the children of the wicked one. The enemy who sowed them in this is the devil. And the harvest is the end of the age, and the reapers are angels. Therefore, as the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so will it be at the end of this age. The Son of Man will send out his angels. They will gather out of his kingdom all things that offend and those that practice lawlessness and will cast them into the furnace of fire. There will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Now there's so much. This is packed with so many interesting lessons for us. But I'm going to focus on not all of them, but just specifically one or two. One is evil, how we deal with it, and who actually can deal with it. So let's go back to the text and let me read this. 
When Jesus was teaching, he said, the kingdom of heaven, our first reading, is like a man, Jesus, who sowed good seed, the children of God, which you are, I am, we've come to know the Lord, we are called children of God, in his field, in the world. But while men slept, that's interesting, again, Let's go back to last week. You know, I talked about being fully awake. Well, here they were sleeping, but something happened when they were asleep. They assumed the best. Uh, They assumed that once they had it planted, everything was fine. They let down their guard, let's say. They had worked the field, and the field, you know, it's wonderful, wonderful to uh, finish a job. And so when they had planted it, they had sown all that, all the men, they had done that. At the end of the day, they thought that everything was finished. And so they obviously were oblivious of some sort of threat. However, their master was not. The owner was not. But they were. And so I can easily assume that perhaps the owner had maybe given them a warning, but they had just simply dismissed the owner's warnings And they went to sleep. And while they were asleep, the enemy came and and sowed tares, wicked people. So, so, So far, the picture as Jesus is explaining it is, is that the Son of God comes, he preaches the gospel into all parts of the world. Certain people come and they become children of God. But even while there are those becoming children of God, the enemy is also doing his work. And he is sowing seed, Darnell, uh, the tares, to make sure that not only are there good people in the world, but there's also bad people. Let me say something about evil real quick. Evil is not accidental. Wickedness is not arbitrary. It's a buildup. It's a culmination that ultimately comes about because of either being oblivious to its role or what it can do or what damage it can do, but ultimately understand this, and I think Jesus is pointing this out, evil is purposed. It does not happen accidentally. So it says, the enemy came, sowed tares, wicked people among the wheat. And this is another lesson. Where good is, evil is there too. I look at evil in certain ways. And for me, I look at evil as a pariah, a cancer. It has to have a host. It has to have good to draw nectar from. And so, wherever there is good, evil's going to be there. So that's something that could answer that question. Well, how did this happen? Well, the servants have to learn that when they do good, evil's going to be there too. And then the devil went his way. That's another interesting thing. The devil went his way. Evil has an inevitable, lasting destruction. If it's allowed to take root and entangle, it will destroy, it will harm, and there is no need for the enemy to continue being on our shoulders 
Kind of like it used to be said, well, the devil's on my shoulders and he may be dead. No, he does his work and he leaves. Why? Because he knows that his work will be sufficient. He plants evil and the evil has its destruction. Paul understood this later on when he wrote to the church at Ephesus when he said, understand that the prince of power of the air still has the spirit who now works in the children of disobedience to this day. And so for us, what happens when things don't go our way or when something happens in our life or something we didn't expect or evil or bad or what happened? Well, there's an enemy at play here and there's evil and there's wickedness at play here. And so it says, and then as we read the original text, when the grain had sprouted and produced a crop, the tares also appeared. The servants of the owner came and said to him, Sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have this? Why do good people suffer? Why does evil seem to have so much power? in our lives, in our world, in our hearts. Why is it? Why is it that I want to do good, but when I do, I find that evil is always with me? I find, as Paul says, that 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 I want to do, I don't do, and that that I don't want to do, I end up doing. And he makes this confession, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of death? Evil is purposed, and it's present, in our lives. So it begins to answer the question, you know, well, well, what happened? Well, evil, evil is present, evil is here, and evil will have its way of destruction. As I was thinking about this, <clears throat> my mind immediately goes to what Paul then wrote later to the church at Galatia when he said, don't be deceived. God's not mocked. Whatever a person sows, that's what they reap. If you sow to the flesh evil, you'll reap it. But if you sow to the spirit, you'll reap life everlasting. So when they said, the, the servants, they said, well, you know, didn't you plant wheat and yet there's, there's tares? How in the world does it have tares? And, and, and his one answer is an enemy, an enemy has done this. Now, that, that's where I think that probably the servants, the men, the workers, perhaps they were oblivious, naive. I think naive possibly would be something that would be very applicable to us today. But th their response is very interesting, and yet it reveals, again, some insight as to us, you know, what happened. When we... Read this, it says, well, the servant said to him, well, do you want us then to go and gather them up? Well, that was their best thought. And yet here is a real revelation. There are certain things in your life and in my life that we cannot handle. We are unable. We don't have the power. No matter how smart, how brilliant, no matter how disciplined we are, once evil becomes entangled in our heart and in our soul, we don't have the capability of untangling it. 
at all. And we know that the scriptures teach that when that happens, the end is just basically the death. So, so let me put it to you this way. Our world, our culture right now, think they have a way to deal with evil, don't they? Deal with crime and deal with wickedness and everything. Well, how's that working? Our ways are good in some things, but not in dealing with evil, the devil, and wickedness. Why? Because on our best day, the devil Wickedness is still more powerful than us. So he teaches this and he says, let both grow together. And that's kind of the hard thing. Philosophically, we can always think in what we call other worlds, the possibility of other worlds. And in that, it's, it's, actually, a, a, uh, it's actually an exercise that we, we would do in, in philosophical inquiry, we would imagine a world that had no evil. We would imagine a world where Judas did not betray the Lord. We would imagine in a world where Peter did not deny him. Or, or we can imagine the world in which we were not victims of this or victims of that. We can imagine that stuff, but what we've got to understand and do not, we cannot let ourselves be naive about it. The Lord says they must grow together. We can't deal with it once it's there. We don't have the ability. First, he says, let them grow together. And then at the time of harvest, we'll separate it. The reapers, I'll send my angels. That's very, to me, it's very beautifully worded. I'm going to send my angels. <laughs> they're going to gather together the tares. They're going to bundle them and burn them. And then they're going to gather the wheat in my barn. Jesus was, though he used a parable, was being very specific about a reality of life. And the reality of life is evil. And wickedness is there. In fact, he himself was a victim of evil. You know the old song, he could have called 10,000 angels. Old hymn, beautiful hymn, powerful in its message, but very powerful in what, in what it doesn't say. He allowed himself to be the victim, the casualty. He knew that they must grow together, and it had to be done. But he also knew that ultimately everything would be reconciled, but not from human standpoint. It would be reconciled divinely. God raised him up, not, not mankind. So, so anyway, we may find ourselves, honestly, we might find ourselves where we have an entanglement in our heart or our life. We can't untangle ourselves. It's beyond our ability, as I've said. And the only way to save us or this in this parable has to be divine. And so as I thought about this, I thought about, well, these questions, you know, what happened actually kind of have a kind of have a brother and sister that go with them. What happened? How did this happen? 
Why did this happen? We wrap that out, and that's what we go through. Why? Well, Jesus' answer has been in each time, evil, wickedness, and an enemy does it. So in our lives, I think that Jesus was uh, very clear for us to understand how things or why things or, you know, what things happen in our lives. It's not because God is punishing you. Not at all. No, in fact, it's actually not, not about us. It's all about the devil and his wickedness and wants to defeat anything and everything God has ever done good for humanity. We saw that back in the garden. Jesus taught another parable one time. He says, he says this, he says, you know, a sower went out to sow seed and they sowed some by the wayside. And once the seed in someone's heart was sowed, the devil, he says, comes and takes it away from their hearts. That's what the enemy does. How did this happen? Those servants ask. An enemy has done that. Jesus Christ was very clear, not obscured at all about the devil. We live in a day and time where it seems to be the attempt to obscure realities. I won't even go down that road about obscuring truth where we've been the last four or five years, but let's take the devil. We have a world, they believe in God, a majority of them believe in God, but not so much the devil. Yet our sources that we have the scriptures speak of both. So what gives us the license to slice and dice? You know, I'm going to believe in God, but I'm not going to believe in the devil. When Jesus Christ taught about both with authority, therefore we should take it into account. Here's what he said about the devil. And by this, I mean the, the enemy. Here's what he says about the person or the entity that has influence in your life and mine. Long-lasting influence. Here's what he said. He says, the devil, he's a father. He throws out children of wickedness. And they have the same desires as their father. He was a murderer from the beginning. He does not stand in the truth. There is no truth in him whatsoever. When he speaks, he speaks of his own resources. He is a liar and the father of it. He was very clear about how did this happen? What happened? An enemy has done this. Who is that enemy? The devil. Don't be oblivious to the devil. He's telling uh, his students and his servants. Well, can we deal with it right now? No, you can't. It's too late. There's already an entanglement. You're going to have to do the best you can and live with it. However, one day we will take care of it. So, <clears throat> for us, as I kind of sense this down, for us, I think that all of us at certain points in our lives are, 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 are going to ask this kind of question. What happened? Why did this happen? How did this happen? I mean, you know, we all have had good intentions with our job, family, children, you name it, good intentions. But then we realize they go south. We make plans. We have goals. Even as Christians, we have goals in our life and everything. But sometimes we find 
But there's something that happened. And I can't imagine. I never would have thought I'd have been in this place. I never would have thought I would have done that. I never would have thought my children did this. I never would have thought, how did this happen? Well, understand how it works. The devil made sure that he got some wickedness somewhere in your life, in your surroundings, to make sure that it could entangle because ultimately it will choke out the seed. That's how it happens. Well, God forbid, what do we do now? That's what I like to come to. Who can deal with this? When this happens, we come to our own sense about this. When we realize that it's by the craftiness of the devil that he does things, we realize that we can't be oblivious to it anymore, can't be naive or negligent. In other words, let's don't do like the servants did. Let's don't be sleepy about it. Let's be awake about this and understand the world that we live in. You know, Peter wrote this, and this is why we need to be very aware of what Jesus is talking about here. How do these things happen? An enemy did this. Peter writes and he says, be sober, be vigilant. Your adversary, the enemy, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour, resisting, steadfast in the truth, knowing that it will help you. So for us today, let's say we come to that awareness. We're there. How do these things happen in our lives? How did it end up this way? Well, the enemy's done this. What do I do? Do I just have to cow down? No. There's a scripture that says something. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. For us, God's children, in a world with the wickedness and the devil and evil and entanglement, for us, there's only one place and one thing to do. Look to Jesus Christ for help in our lives. Bottom line, the scriptures tell us that Jesus himself said, I didn't come. I didn't come to those who are healthy. I came to those who are sick and need help. I did not come call righteous. To, I didn't come to call right. I came to call for sinners. Look to Jesus. The Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save men's lives. Look to Jesus. I can't change the landscape, can you? We, I mean, we've still got evil, still have wickedness. Seems to be getting worse. You know, the devil's having his way in a lot of aspects and parts of our world and in our lives. Wickedness. Call it the devil. I like his names, to be honest with you. The devil, Diabolus, you know, Lucifer. But understand this. We cannot be naive. In fact, Paul said, understand that the devil, Satan, he has the ability to transform into the angel of light. And so we sometimes don't realize how we are being victimized by the works of the devil, through our family, through our children, through what we think is a good thing. We cannot do that. We have to be aware. Why? <clears throat> because final scripture that we look at is the scriptures say, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, manifested himself for one reason, 
that he might destroy the works of the devil. So any kind of evil influence or evil entanglement that's in your life or in your kids' lives or in your family or in your job, any kind of influence, there's only one way. You can't deal with it. You'll jerk everything up and kill. You can't deal with it. I can't either. But the Lord can. He is the one who can help us in that because that's why he came, to destroy the works of the devil. Therefore, the scriptures say, let's don't grow weary in well-doing because we will reap, the scriptures say, if we do the right thing. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning for the time we can be in your house. Think, ponder. And Lord, I pray that if anyone, in fact, I should say all of us, have encountered the wiles of wickedness in some way, shape, or form, I pray, Lord, that you would help us understand that the only way that we can deal with wickedness in our world, in our life, in our heart, is by looking to you, because greater are you than he that is in the world. I pray, Lord, if anyone here today that feels just whipped out, hopeless, downtrodden because of all the works of wickedness in their life, Lord, I pray that they would not be discouraged. Simply look to you. All things are in your hands. And I'll give you thanks in our Lord's name. Amen. Let's stand this morning as we come to a close today. Kind of a time of thought and pondering of things. We'll sing a verse. If you'd like to come and pray, I encourage you to. You're actually coming to seek the Lord. What page? 105. 105. We'll sing. As we sing, would you like to come or pray Lord, where you are? The bless grace of our loving Lord. Grace that exceeds our sin. Would you like to come this morning? Have prayer. Seek the Lord.